0: So as many of you know me, I'm certainly not a movie buff. I don't watch very many movies, maybe a couple of years, but I do enjoy a good movie and I enjoy a good story. And one of my favorite movies is Les Miserables. I mean, it's, a, it's a, both a, a, a book, first of all, and then a movie like most things. And in that movie, The protagonist, Jean Valjean, spends many years in prison. Um, He comes out a hardened man, but meets up with uh, Bishop Muriel, and Bishop Muriel extends him uh, an extreme amount of love, support, care, and Jean Valjean uh, responds to that by treating him pretty terribly and uh, stealing from him and leaving him. But uh, the bishop continues to extend love to him and exhorts him to change his ways. And, and uh, long story short, he certainly does that. He goes on to live a good life. He becomes mayor of the town. He becomes a businessman. Uh, but he shows that same love that Bishop Muriel had extended to him to those he comes, who, that come in his path to uh, particularly to the orphaned daughter of one of his workers. And uh, his life is absolutely turned around. So in many respects, I see uh, that story is a, a real story of redemption. And I would suggest, I don't know about you, but I'm drawn to stories like that, stories of redemption. and. I was thinking about why myself and I think most of us are drawn to, towards stories of redemption. And I thought of maybe a couple of reasons. Uh, the first being that perhaps all of us at some level recognize our own failings and perhaps realize that we are in need of redemption ourselves and we can identify with the person to a, uh, you know, at, a, at a certain level. The other thing is I think God's placed in our heart a conscience and conscience a deep yearning for good to conquer evil and for our lives to be used positively and for uh, for for the good rather than negatively and, and for personal gain and that certainly was the case in that movie. So tonight I'm not going to talk anymore about the movie but I am going to talk a bit about redemption in the Bible and it's it's a Wonderful and uh, and a theme that uh, we see throughout the words or, or the chapters of of the Bible. This really started when I had a conversation a number of months ago with my Muslim barber, and we were talking about uh, Christianity and Islam and talking about the difference between the two. And as the conversation progressed he said that Islam had all the good elements that Christianity had um, and perhaps not some of the unpleasant elements and he went on to talk about you know Islam had the story of Adam and Eve it had many of the stories of the prophets even even spoke positively of Jesus and uh, these types of things but The one thing that we discussed, and I think you realize, is that the Bible has this overarching theme of fall, uh, creation, fall, and redemption, and that doesn't really exist at all in the Quran. It's like there's a bunch of stories pulled from perhaps the Jewish, uh, the Jews, some from the Christian faith, and and then somebody's added on uh, some other things and perhaps have left out some of the things that uh, they didn't like about uh, scripture. And as I understand it, in Islam, uh, the belief is that people are born into a state of purity without sin and naturally inclined to worship and praise God. And when I heard that, I was a little bit shocked, um, given that i don't see that in my own heart i don't see that in those that i encounter um and i'm I'm thinking perhaps they found the idea of original sin offensive and left it out that is the people who made up uh the quran so this caused me to ruminate a little bit more on, on this idea of uh, redemption because it's such an important part of the Christian faith. Certainly redemption has its roots in the concept that we are born sinful. Um, because if we're not born sinful, then we're not in need of salvation, and redemption really is irrelevant. So I'm just going to start by briefly considering uh, the, the biblical understanding of redemption. I think most of us know it, but just to give a, a little bit of uh, a background. So the, the we really the wor- word means to purchase back something that has been lost uh, by payment or ransom. And as we, right from the beginning of Scripture, we see. Uh, stories of redemption in the bible and i'll start by reading a, a little passage in leviticus, leviticus 25 because it actually comes up in the uh, in the levitical law it says if a foreigner residing among you becomes rich and any of you fellow israelites become poor and sell themselves to the foreigner or to a member of the foreign clan they retain the right of redemption after they have sold themselves one of their relatives may redeem them. An uncle or a cousin or any blood relative in their clan may redeem them, or if they prosper, they may redeem themselves. Further on in the Old Testament, we read about the Exodus and the children of Israel escaping Egypt miraculously. And in the song that uh, Moses and Miriam uh saying it says you in your unfailing love you will lead the people you have redeemed in your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling so the israelites certainly had an understanding that their sin had led them into captivity in egypt but that the unfailing love of god um, had resulted in their redemption from from that enslavement The Psalms speak a lot about redemption, and Psalm 130, which I read this past Sunday, certainly talks about it in a prophetic sense, where it says, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So because of this background in Old Testament scripture, the Jews would have been very familiar with the idea of redemption when the Lord Jesus Christ appeared. So much of their history really was tied up with redemption. The elements of the law that we just read about, redemption from slavery in Egypt, and even uh, redemption from enslavement to the Babylonians. So the question would be, why didn't they understand that the Lord Jesus Christ was their redeemer when he came, when he suffered on the cross and died for them? And certainly a few did, but most didn't. And I would suggest that there's a few different reasons, but perhaps one being the same reason that people don't accept the gospel today. They don't believe that they have a sin problem and don't see the need for redemption. Or perhaps they rely on their own good works, they thought they could rely on their own good works for redemption. Or alternatively, they were looking for a different kind of redemption. Certainly the Jews were looking for redemption from captivity of the Romans and not from the slavery to sin, which the Lord Jesus came to redeem. So perhaps before going any further, I want to backtrack a bit. Following the creation, all Everything in the world was good, we read. There was peace between God and man, and there existed complete harmony. And we know that that harmony was completely shattered at the fall. Everything changed and there was this really cataclysmic severing of the relationship between man and God. And so that set the history for this gruesome, well, really the gruesome history that we've seen since that point in time. Uh, We see it in the Bible and other historical books, uh, we uh, see that it's been a pretty sad uh, case here on earth since the fall. Up until the time of Christ, the world was held in the awful captivity of sin. And I think we need to understand this in order to understand the redemption story. We need to recognize that there, more importantly, that not only was the world full of sin, but that sin is and has taken root in our own hearts. The sin problem is first and foremost a problem that we have. We next need to understand that Je- what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to buy us back to pay the ransom price for our sin, to purchase back that which was lost that we see at the beginning of time back in the garden before the fall and i often think of it almost as a picture where um, the world was taken kidnapped or was kidnapped by satan and held in an awful condition until jesus christ came to be the perfect perfect ransom for us to release us from that captivity and the tyranny that we had of living a life enslaved by sin and really enslaved by emptiness. The book of Peter gives us uh, a great description of this, and we read it just a, a month or two ago. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So we certainly want to praise the Lord for this wonderful and perfect gift that we've been given that has rescued us from that. And so this sort of brings me to the end of the first part of this little message, but it's certainly the most important part of redemption. But what I want to, now do is dig into the redemption story a little bit deeper as it were and if we read through the genealogies of Jesus we are that we are provided with in scripture we come to find out a few interesting things and that's what uh, something else that led me to this topic because reading through them in the last month there was a number of things that came to my attention certainly the fact that the genealogy is traced Uh, both in Matthew and Luke. And the Luke account traces it from Abraham to Jesus, or sorry, the Matthew account does. Luke traces it in the opposite direction from Jesus all the way back to Adam. And as, as we read these stories, we come to realize that there are actually two different genealogies. One's the genealogy of um, Mary and the other of Joseph. And in either case they both go back to David so that they're rightfully um, the case. But the, the interesting fact is that what, what, what the scripture is telling us that, is that Jesus Christ was super, supernaturally born and was truly the Son of God. Otherwise there wouldn't have, they would never have traced the genealogy through the woman. That just absolutely didn't happen back then. And, uh, but the genealogy was traced on one side through Joseph to show that the Lord Jesus was fully man, but then traced back through the woman, through Mary, to so show that he was truly the Son of God. Now anyone reading these genealogies in Matthew and Luke in the 1st century would be, would be considering Jesus lineage uh from the standpoint of the the family line that Jesus came from and they would assume that the family tree would be one of sort of a list of great people as it were and uh one of the things that as we read through the, the lineages is we realize that that's certainly not in the case uh, with in the in either of the lineages through mary or joseph's descendants there's certainly some element of strength of character and godliness but in the list there's a lot of weaknesses difficulties all kinds of different challenges um, within the lineage and I'm sure you can think back on a number of them, but I'll I'll just review a few as examples. One being Abraham, certainly spoken of in scripture as the father of all who believe. He's a wonderful example of trusting faith, but that faith wasn't always rock solid. At one point, we know that he got weary of waiting for God's promise and took matters into his own hands, sleeping with his maidservant, Hagar. That's certainly being unfaithful on a few different levels. And likewise, he chose on a couple of occasions to lie about his wife, putting her in what I would consider a precarious position, really to protect himself rather than to trust God for protection. We can think of Isaac and Rebecca. They were parents who showed favoritism and really uh, didn't work together in dealing with their children, uh, but rather worked against each other. Jacob was a deceptive man. We know all about that story. He cheated and stole to get his birthright and also showed favoritism with his children, leading to his son Joseph being sold into slavery. We're probably familiar with the story of Judah disobeying God, marrying a Canaanite woman, and then eventually um, sleeping with his daughter-in-law a really sordid tale we think of Rahab she was a foreign Canaanite woman whose trade was prostitution The, the stories go on and on Ruth was a poor hurting outcast widow David although a hero in many senses he was both an adulterer and a murderer and we can think about Solomon uh started off well, asked for wisdom, but then turned from the Lord uh, towards the end of his life. And these are just really a tip of the iceberg. Definitely not a pleasant list, but des- despite the nastiness in these situations, Jesus Christ chose to trace his human ancestry through each of these people and through their stories. What I find fascinating is that in the midst of all this, there are small redemption stories, small redemption stories within the wonderful redemption story and lineage of Jesus Christ. And these stories each are of how God used a tiny mustard seed of faith to to bring good and to be used for God's glory. In each of these situations, there is a willingness to trust God and although not perfectly, these individuals still move forward and live their lives in such a way that they brought, brought blessing. So if we, we can review just a few of the people that we just spoke about, we can think about Abraham. He certainly showed cowardice in many ways, but he was bold in his faith in other ways. In the book of Hebrews, it says he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And even more amazing, I think, he was willing to trust God uh, by putting his son on the sacrifice, (laughs) believing that even if he killed his son, God would raise him from the dead. From Abraham came our Redeemer. We can think of Abram, uh, Rahab in Hebrew 11. It says that by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And after helping the spies to escape, Rahab spoke these words. She said, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard... so she was stating that all of Jericho, all of the residents of Jericho, were terrified based on what they had heard of the Israelites. But she was the, seemingly the only one who took that and put her trust in that God who had helped the Israelites um, in their past adventures. And again, out of this sinful woman who displayed a bit of faith, faith came our Redeemer. We can think of the story of King David, who sinned grievously by having an affair with Bathsheba and then trying to cover it up and murdering her husband. But David, in his repentance, threw himself at the mercy of God. And despite the fact that there were consequences for his action, the Lord was gracious and there was redemption in his life as well. So out of this sinful man David came our Redeemer. When we look at the story of Ruth, she was poor, she was destitute, absolute had nothing of any material sense in this world, lost her husband. And uh, despite this, we see her faith. She's speaking to her mother-in-law, said, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God certainly was a sacrifice for Ruth to refuse to return to her family. And I think the fact that she didn't show that she loved her mother-in-law and cared deeply for her. But I think more importantly, she showed a trust in the God of Israel and believed that that God would see her through the challenges that she she and her mother-in-law found themselves in. And again, through this poor destitute woman came our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. You know, we could go on and on and speak of many situations about people in the lineage of Jesus Christ and how there is small redemption stories within those. Why did Jesus choose to be born into such a line? Well, we can only really guess. Um, But certainly, it it might seem appropriate that he would be born into a family of, of descendants that really didn't have it all together, who had all kinds of sin problems of their own because he came to redeem these people. And... He came to save them, to heal them, and set them free. In the genealogy of Jesus, our Savior, we see the true humanity of Christ, born into a sinful family of people just like us. And we also see that his grace was at work, even in the family line that he chose to be born into. We can see how Abraham's bad decisions were redeemed. Rahab turned from a sinful past um, to uh, a woman of faith who trusted the true God. David's repentance was heard, and he was given a second chance. Ruth's carnal past was forgiven, and her faith in God was rewarded. So many different examples. As I look at these, and as we look at think about them tonight, I think that these redemption stories exist in the genealogy of Jesus just to perhaps encourage us. These characters are shown with all the warts and wrinkles. They are definitely not perfect, but despite this, God uses them to bring about his purposes and ultimately the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Now today in the, in the church age, things aren't too much, too different. The church is full of people just like we, we, do, we read about, people with warts and wrinkles, people like you and I. One of the great mysteries of God is that he uses imperfect people to accomplish his will here on earth. This was true throughout the Old Testament, but it's also true today. We're a part of this. If we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we've been redeemed. We've been redeemed not only from in an eternal perspective, but it also re- relates to our here and now. As we live here in simple faith and obedience, he can use us just like he used Abraham, Rahab, David, Ruth, so many of these people from the Old Testament. We can be used for his glory if we know jesus christ each of us has a redemption story and to the extent that we understand the redemption that we've received we can we can display that and that should affect the lives that we live here on earth I think we also need to be reminded that there's a future aspect to the redemption story for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter eight, it talks about a groaning that we, that we display as we await the, the completion of the redemptive work of Christ. In Romans eight, I'm gonna read a couple of verses that you're probably familiar with. It says in verse 19, right up to the present time not only so we but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies so i think it will only be at this point in time that we fully know what it means to be god's adopted children and to experience the full extent of the redeeming work of jesus christ this, is, this will occur when our resurrected bodies and our new minds are joined with our Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we reflect on the birth of Christ this Christmas, the lineage of Christ's earthly family reminds us of both humanity's sinfulness and Christ's choice to associate himself with sinners coming near to us so that he might redeem and save. He has redeemed us, giving us eternal hope. He has also redeemed us so that we can live out that redemption story within our lives here. Through simple acts of faith and obedience to God, we can use this to his glory while we walk the path that he shows us here on earth. We need to be reminded that God is in the work of redeeming, redeeming bad situations, restoring relationships through his work. Let us never forget that we have been forgiven and redeemed. May this influence how we are ready and prepared to forgive others. May it allow us to see hope in our current situations where we fail to see any good and any hope, but realize that in Jesus Christ, there is hope and opportunity for the Lord to redeem a difficult situation. May we see that God wants to use us as redeemed sinners to shine his glory to those we spend time with over this Christmas period.